comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 68. I'm on the line right now with Tara Platt. For those that don't know and have not seen the web series Shelf Life, you know what you're missing out, and you need to go watch Shelf Life. The website for Shelf Life is www.shelflifeseries.com, and the videos are also on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash user slash Shelf Life the Series. And I am currently right now on the line talking to Hero Lass, uh, the actress who plays Hero Lass. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Tara Platt. Tara, how are Hello. you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be chatting with you this evening. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And we will also be talking, hopefully we'll be talking with Bug Boy, played by Yuri Lowenthal as well. Absolutely. Well, as soon as he can get here, let's hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Exactly. Now, for those uh, that have not seen Shelf Life or don't even really know what Shelf Life, Shelf Life is, can you tell the people what this web series is all about? Sure. It was based on an idea that I had about six months ago or so. Our, our little sort of logline for it is it's an irreverent comedy about four action figures on a young boy's shelf. And so if you get the idea, I mean, it's basically it's live action. So it's us as the action figures. So we're in costume and there's the, the four of us that are the characters. It's Hero Man, Hero Lass, who I play, Bug Boy that Yuri plays and Samurai Snake. And we're all on this shelf inside this little kid's or little kid, like he's 10 years old, sort of uh, this little kid's room. And it's sort of the antics that we get up to either when the kid isn't looking or when he's not in the room or when he is and sort of how we have to handle being those action figures on the shelf. And so that's kind of that's sort of the idea for the show. But it also, like I said, in the, the sort of the log line, it's irreverent. So there's cursing and there's there is more adult situations. It's more of a mature show. It's not it's not a little kid show. You know, I mean, we both Yuri and I both work on a lot of animated series and and children's programming. And we love that. I mean, that's definitely a really fun part of the entertainment process and the entertainment business. But this show in particular was sort of the idea of what the life of an action figure must be like. And so we're personifying these action figures um, as, as sort of like real people in their, you know, their adult sort of situations. Yes. I, I like to call shelf life sometimes, I joke, and I say it's Toy Story for grown folks. Exactly, exactly. And we're, we will totally take that because, as Yuri would say, and I don't know if I should curse on this, but he says it's, it's Toy Story with a lot of F words thrown in. Uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. And you are allowed to cuss. Okay. <laughs> so you feel, please, if you need to, please okay. feel free. Yeah, so he's, he says fuck. He says, he says <laughs> it's Toy Story with a lot of fuck thrown in. So. <laughs>
Now, you talked about, you know, doing a lot of animation, a lot of uh, children's animation and things like that. And and bringing this uh, sh bringing this show together, I think the, the one thing that I've seen like a, over a lot of web series over the past couple of years, some web series have very strong concepts, uh, you know, good concepts. But the chemistry between the characters, to me, are always the key to any web series over the actual concept of the web series itself. So how were you, how were you all able to create like a diverse line of characters? Uh, well, um, it was one of those things that, that, like I was saying, when the idea popped into my head, it was more of just sort of this idea of these, these figures up on the shelf. And so I sort of sat down and I started to write out ideas based on this vision that I sort of had of these, these action figures. At first, it was a very, you know, kind of broad strokes, like, oh, I want something that's kind of like uh, Superman, and I want something that's kind of like Wonder Woman, and I want a figure or a character that's kind of like, um, originally, Bug Boy was going to be a lot more like Ben 10, not that, not that, you know, not that we're trying to, to snipe the work that Yuri does already, uh, but, but I just thought that was sort of funny, you know, it's this, it's, you know, this character sort of dressed in jeans, you know, when I look at the action figures, because I'm sitting in Yuri's office right now, and I have a little secret, and the confession is there's a giant shelf of action figures that line the ceiling of this room <laughs> behind me. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, it's very familiar to me to see action figures on shelves. And so when I look at these action figures on the shelf, there's such a variety. You know, you've got monsters and creatures, and, you know, uh, you've got, like, samurai warrior characters, and you've got little sort of crazy anime characters and fighting characters. And it's just such a variety. It's not just all one world in a way, you know? And that was really exciting to me. I liked that idea of you would have different action figures sort of paired together, like all sort of stuck up on the same shelf, just based on my experience with being in Yuri's office and seeing the variety of, of characters that he's got up. And so, uh, so I had this idea for this sort of Superman character, this kind of Wonder Woman character, this kind of Ben 10 character, which now has evolved to more like the Tick in a way, sort yes. of, ish. And then this warrior character that also happens to be a creature, because I, I really I wanted to have a creature element on there. And so once I sort of knew that those were the four main characters, then I decided to start to, to craft it a little bit and go, okay, well, if, if it's the Superman-y Wonder Woman kind of character, what would be a very generic sort of fun name for them? And I was like, oh my God, it's Hero Man. Like, that's the perfect name because it's, it's what it is. It's a superhero. It's a hero. It's Hero Man. And so from there... Immediately, I got the idea for Hero Last, and it's funny because several people have commented, like, "What was Hero Woman not available?" And I was like, "No, I never even thought of Hero Woman. <laughs> it was always Hero Last." Yes. Um, and so, so that idea sort of it solidified itself a little bit more. And then the Bug Boy character, the the more clear I got on him, the funnier that Yuri and I thought it would be, especially still using the Ben Ten model. For this character that, you know, when you, if you know Ben 10, the show, the character basically can change into all these aliens. But if you look at the action figure, that's the main character, which is Ben, Ben doesn't really have any, like, he's just a kid. He's, yep. that's all he is. And so if you take that idea into an action figure sort of 
um, world, then suddenly you would have action figures for all those characters he changes into. So he's just like the main character, but he doesn't have any of those cool other characters because <laughs> as the action figures, those would be other action figures. <laughs> and so we thought that was really sort of fun to explore. And so it, he sort of devolved into having more of like a bug sort of suit on, but he isn't those other bugs that he would be able to change into for Bug Boy. And then Samurai Snake, I really liked that idea of it being a creature. And so immediately I thought of the idea of a snake. Um, and then since I wanted him to be like a warrior or a fighter, I liked the idea of a samurai, because I think those are cool and samurai swords are always cool. And also I'm staring at Afro Samurai up on the shelf above me. And so I can't help but give credit to where credit is due. And so Afro Samurai uh, sort of influenced Samurai Snake. And Samurai Snake is kind of our Chewbacca character, we like to call him, because as you probably noticed, he speaks not English. <laughs> and, and Hero Man can't understand what Samurai Snake is saying to save his life. So uh, Hero Lass and Bug Boy are able to understand him, but Hero Man just can't get it through his thick head what it is that Samurai Snake is talking about. And so then sort of the character dynamic started to to sort of flesh out, the more I knew about the characters, the more I figured out who they needed to be so that I could create a world, then their individual character traits sort of, you know, sort of got a little fuller. So here a man needs to be a little bit dopey so that it's, he's not as smart to understand. And also very, you know, cocky and sort of sure of himself, but also really good natured. So you love him. And then here alas, because she's the only woman or girl on the shelf, I really wanted her to have the girly qualities being the only female up there with these bunch of guys, but also being able to hold her own against, you know, with the guys and, you know, to the guys. And so, you know, she can flirt with them, but she also sort of is like their sister, but she's sometimes kind of like their mom. And, you know, it's, it's got a really fun dynamic there. And then Bug Boy, I really thought he was kind of, I don't want to say the brains of the operation, but, but he's definitely got like a snarky wit to him. And he's, he's sort of, you know, he's seen it all. He's not necessarily jaded, but he, he definitely has a, a broader world view and perspective. And, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's cocky in his own right. Uh, both you know, Hero Man and he sort of vie for who's cockiest. <laughs> As you've sort of noticed in the latest episode, uh, very clearly, uh, case in point, who is cockiest, uh, to use the word cock for all it's worth. And, uh, and then uh, Samurai Snake, uh, sort of became almost this guru character because he's like almost the all-seeing wise character that knows everything about everything. But we as the audience don't ever really know what he's saying unless the other characters kind of interpret it or agree with him or disagree with him and then add their own two cents to it. And then, uh, you know, he sort of has his own take on the world. He's kind of like a hippie, but he's also sort of like he, he sees all and knows all. And he's, he's from another world. So that's sort of the characters. I, I know that was a lot long explanation, but hopefully <laughs> it was what you were looking for. Oh, no, no, it, it definitely was. And, and, you know, the fact that watching the first, ep the first episode where you, you learn automatically who is who, who they are, what they stand for. You know, I just I just cracked up, completely cracked up, especially when they, when like when it's time to take a break, and and Samurai Snake has the match, and Bug Boy has the big cigarette or blunt, and is just totally. and is just relaxing because he's like, damn it, I've had a long day, I'm tired, and totally. And then the the chemistry you know, works very very well. I just, I've seen like a lot of web series that once again the great great concept, but sometimes the chemistry isn't there, and the chemistry for shelf life was there from the jump the concept oh, um the concept was there 
And as soon as it started, I was I was hooked. And the way it sold, the way shelf life is sold to the viewer was really clever too. Um, you know, with the um, the camera zooming in on on the window mm-hmm. of the house, and then zooming okay. into the shelf, and then you see the product line where you mm-hmm. see where you see Hero Man in, in, in his pat in his um, action figure package, Hero Last, Bug Boy, and Samurai Snake, and all their packages. It's really it's very cl- it's very clever. Um, oh, good. Well, I'm glad you like that. We owe the the beginning credit sequence, that whole punch in and stuff, to the brilliance of Jason Milligan. He's doing all those effects for us, and he did he did such a good job taking all of the the elements that we wanted and really building this great sort of, just like you said, establishing shot that like really is so clear that like, okay, we're going through the window, we're going into the kids' room, we're seeing all the stuff in there, and then we're going up to that shelf and seeing these action figures. When um, when it came down to uh, character design, was the character design like a uh, amalgamation of like say for instance like you know you or you and the entire cast talking with uh, Eric Wright for character about the characters or did he say okay this is the idea I have for Hero Last or this is the idea I have for Hero Man? Well, it was a little bit. Um, we hadn't brought the whole cast on yet. Uh, we we brought the cast in later in the process. So after I sort of came up with the original idea and sort of drafted out some of those ideas, then I immediately went to Yuri um, because not only are we married, but we're business partners. We have our own production company and we work together a lot and I really value his opinions and thoughts. And it's kind of funny. I mean, when he tells people about the show, he's like, and can you believe Tara came up with this idea? It wasn't me. Like everyone just assumes that it's Yuri's idea because like I said, if you come to Yuri's, you know, office, his man cave, as I like to call it, you know, it's got all these action figures everywhere. So how could he not have been the one to come up with it? Mm -hmm. But, um, but so then I immediately went to him and he's like, oh, my God, we have to go to Eric because we know Eric. We've worked with him before. Yuri had worked with him on a couple other projects on Atomic County, which was something that was like an animated show in the OC, which is sort of a weird sort of thing. He can tell you more about that. But uh, but we knew Eric and Eric is a great um, artist and comic writer and uh, has, you know, a number of books, Frankie Pickle and um, My Dead Ex-Girlfriend, stuff like that. Uh, And so we went to him and said, look, this is our idea for these characters. You know, I I was thinking Superman. I was thinking Wonder Woman. I was thinking, and so I sort of gave him that, and I sent him reference photos of action figures. I literally went and I (laughs) trolled the internet and found photographs of various action figures, and I was like, I like this, or I like this. And... um, and, you know, when we talked to him, we said, look, we want to make sure that Hero Man and Hero Last look like they come from the same show or the same planet. But it's okay if Bug Boy looks like he comes from a different show or a different world and if Samurai Snake looks like he comes from a different show or a different world. It's important to us that it, it really is clear that these can be, you know, a variety of characters. And he was like, I'm on it. And so he he turned in these great images. Um, and you can see them if you go to the website, if you go to... If you go on the website, there's a, I forget which the tab it is, but there's a tab where all the photographs are, and you can see the original sort of character art sketches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I mean, he turned those into us, and we're like, that's perfect. <laughs> we, we, have no, we have nothing to add. That's brilliant. That's exactly it. And so then we took those sketches, and then from that point, then once we cast it, um, Travis Willingham plays Hero Man. He's very talented, Travis, in his own right. He does a lot of voiceover work as well as on-camera work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Brian Ank, 
who Yuri knows from New York, who's an actor and uh, an accomplished uh, director as well, uh, is, is Samurai Snake for the physical motion. And then Dee Bradley Baker, a very, very talented voice actor, actually creates all those snake sounds, all Samurai Snake's dialogue, uh, Dee Bradley Baker voices. Um, but so the actors were brought in after we had the character designs. And so then once we had the actors physically, then we took those character designs that Eric White had done and we took those to Lino Stavoli, who is the costumer. And Lino said, oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's make it really good. And so he delivered those costumes to us, uh, made to us, you know, for us, based on Eric's designs. And, I mean, I think that the show looks fantastic production value-wise because of all the hard work those guys did. Oh, and it truly, it truly shows. Yeah. I mean, even down to a hero man's uh, stiff hair. <laughs> yes, yes, isn't that great? Yes. Uh, what Lino did to get that uh, to get that effect is he actually went to like a costume store and he bought like a a Superman kind of cowl thing that they have, yes. and it pretty has the plastic hair built into it. Isn't that brilliant? I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I, I was because I was wondering how I was, I was really wondering how how you know you all were able to pull that off. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that was uh, with a lot of hard work by Lino and uh, some very talented. Um, creative ideas yeah. <laughs> and a very, very understanding and patient Travis Willingham because he gets very hot in that costume. And of all the people I, I felt, I felt the worst cause I had the most comfortable costume. I'm wearing a skirt, you know, like short <laughs> sleeves. I'm like super comfortable the whole time. And Travis is in all that like heavy, thick, full body ensemble. Yuri for the whole first season was wearing basically a gimps, whatever those things are called, the gimp suit mm -hmm. with just the face cut out. So he was wearing full latex. So oh. he was super hot. And then poor Brian in the snake costume. I mean, that's like a latex head over his head. Like he can't see, he can't breathe. Like it's, it's, it's awful. So I have it easy, you know, the poor guys are, you know, hot and uncomfortable, but they're such troopers. And, and like you were saying earlier, I mean, we all really are enjoying working on the show and we all are friends and we have a good chemistry. And so we get along. And so we have fun, even though it can be kind of tiring. But, but guess uh, what? Oh, Yuri Lowenthal just walked in the room if you want to say hello. Oh, excellent. Oh. Hi, Yuri. How are you? Hey, I'm good. And yourself? Thanks Thanks for being patient. Oh, hey, it's not not a problem. Not a problem at all. Um, we've just been talking about um, you know, the genesis of shelf life and a lot of the behind-the-scenes work as far as production and stuff like that. And uh, we also yeah. talked a lot about Bug Boy and that uh, very hot suit that you have to wear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I tell you what, let's, um, if you don't mind, we'll go ahead and we'll move on to, uh, to the next question. Sure. I noticed that, and this was evident in the uh, Nightbear episode, to which I still laugh every time Samurai Snake kicks Nightbear off the shelf. Um, I know. <laughs> there, I saw in the cast and crew notes that there's already a season one, uh, season one notes as well as season two notes. Yeah. And um, an episode two actually takes place in season two. Now, yes. I just out of curiosity, what was the uh, reasoning behind uh, behind this? Uh, well, sure, I'll start, and then you can jump in if you want, Yuri. Uh, sure, if, as long as it's okay that I horn in on your interview. Oh well, we're doing it together. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, basically, what was going on with that is we had written the first ten episodes and shot the first ten episodes, uh, sort of late summer, but we weren't quite sure how long post production was going to take or when we were going to air it, and so then you know, sort of during that process, we went ahead and shot season two. 
So, you know, we have all of season one and all of season two, but in season two, we shot a Halloween episode. And so then based on the timeline from when we shot to doing post-production to getting it all together, we were like, oh my goodness, Halloween is rapidly approaching and we want to be able to put the Halloween episode out on Halloween because that's the whole point. And so we kind of rushed to make sure that Halloween episode could be on Halloween, even though that forced us to jump into season two. So basically there's 10 episodes that are season one and 10 episodes that are season two. And you basically got the bonus episode during season one from season two. So basically then when we air season two, there'll only be nine new episodes. Mm -hmm. But when all of those 20 have aired, there will be a full 20 episodes and it'll list 10 for season one and 10 for season two. Gotcha. Yeah. Does yeah, that sort of make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know it's, it's kind of confusing for people and we, and we, you know, we, we, we struggled with, do we call that second episode nightmare? Do we call it episode two or do we call it episode two of season two or do we call it episode one of season, you know, because we, we hadn't planned on having to air it early and we, we settled on just calling it episode two season two. And then we shot a, uh, or rather, Bug Boy shot a uh, a little interstitial piece to try to explain the time jump. Yes, for the time being, yeah. And and that was clever. I I like that. Um, oh, okay, thank you. You know, with the you know the scrambled transmission and whatnot, I was like, okay, this is clever. I'm like, it's a good setup. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for this episode. And then Nightmare shows up, and I was like, yeah, this is classic. So yeah, it, that was good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, right on. Good, good. Well, occasionally we will have auxiliary content because I think that that's something fun to sort of bring you more into the world of those characters. So yes, we have those episodes that we've shot that we're going to continue to air, but uh, occasionally, not every week, but some weeks there's going to be definitely bonus content uh, with the characters. So that'll be fun. My next question would be, um, would be the following. Um, and I'm sure you're more than aware aware of it because you know you know you, you all live on the West Coast. You you know you're around LA. You're you, you're you're in the heart of it all. You know you do voiceover work, video game voiceover work, tele you know television and animation. As far as web series go, there have mm-hmm. been a, there have been an influx of web series, especially in the U.S. over the um, past couple of years. You know people. Yes. People are taking the initiative to like to create their own thing instead of waiting on Hollywood, whether it be network or cable television, uh, sure. to, to come and find them. They're doing it themselves. Do you think we're going to get to this point where we're going to begin to see like like prime time web series networks? You know, that's that's a really good question, um, and it's it's hard to know exactly where things are headed. I don't think that's necessarily. Uh, a crazy idea. I think it's very possible. I mean, there's already, there are already, um, channels or networks that are all web content that are all online. Mm -hmm. And now, especially it's so easy for people just to hook up their internet to their televisions. I mean, if you go buy a new television today, most of them come with internet Mm -hmm. access. So you're being able to watch the content that you would watch on your internet on your television or vice versa. And so I don't think it's necessarily far off. I mean, I don't want to claim that I have any idea of, you know, the Wild West of entertainment and where it's going necessarily. I mean, I think you have to just be sort of uh, proactive and do your own thing. Like you were saying, it's becoming more and more prevalent and more people just have their own stuff going on. But I think you kind of have to. And you can't try to create for the place that it's going to be presented. You just have to create what you want to create and uh, sort of separate the two. Like, don't try to create 
for a network right. or don't try, you know, like just do your own thing. I think it's. Yeah. And I think it is an exciting time for people creating their own material because it is, you can do, you can, like you said, do that anywhere. And if you, you know, create something and then put it up on YouTube and it gets, you know, 2 million hits, Hollywood will be calling you, you know, you don't have to come out here to make that stuff. I think that's, I think it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I think it is too. I, I just like the fact that, you know, people are, are starting to understand that you can create content anywhere in the world it doesn't matter you know if you don't have a studio that's okay you can have you can make your own makeshift studio yeah right if you don't have the expensive lights well you know you find another alternative there are always alternatives and Mm -hmm. i mean i've seen some web series that are no budget that look wonderful i've Mm -hmm. seen some i've seen some web series that have a budget that look terrible and you know it, it just it all varies but if you have that passion and if you have a plan you can accomplish anything it's very true. Agreed. That's very true. That's like one of my favorite books when I was a kid. The um, I think I can. I think I can. Oh, the little train. engine that could. Little engine that could. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I got I got my uh, I got my 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 post-it notes all over my desk because I, oh, I, 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 I try my best to stay organized. But even when I stay organized, I, I still have stuff all over the desk. I have, let me move my Luke Skywalker old school <laughs> X-Wing fighter pilot. There we go. All right. Now, here's the next <laughs> question. Um, well, well then, wait a minute. Post-it notes and, and old school Star Wars toys. It oh, looks exactly wow. like my desk. See, I told you. I told you. I'm not, <laughs> I said no one's going to believe me that I'm sitting in your office with all these action figures. But it's true. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Like every every recording. Recording I ever do for good luck, I always keep my original um, Luke Skywalker X-wing fighter pilot right by the computer. Nice. Yes, and it's I mean it's it's pretty wore out, but um I, but I still chuckle every time I see it. So, <laughs> uh, but no, my next question would be um and this still goes on with the shelf life. Now, even though the series is called Shelf Life, and um, what I'm wondering is, will there ever be a moment? And you don't have to give it away, but will there ever be a moment where the crew of shelf life is off the shelf. Well, let's let's put it this way, uh, w- without uh, without giving any spoilers. We 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 started, you know, we started. We want to start on the shelf because a it's it's easier and cheaper for us to produce that show, yes. you know, from from that level. Um, but as we go on, if the if the capability arises for us to have them leave the shelf, I think we'll probably. You know, we, we will do our best to, to take it somewhere else, you know, just to because you have to expand that world. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think that that it's OK that they're stuck on the shelf. There's something fun about that. And and you will see them. You'll notice that one one edge of the shelf does stretch off and you can't see what's over there. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that they do have the capability to leave and come back. But for the for the uh, and, and, and that will happen. But for now. Uh, the show is is relegated for for many practical reasons to to the shelf. Right, but like I said, there may be some auxiliary content, and we have established that they can climb off the shelf on one side, as you mm-hmm. even noticed in the Night Bear episode. You know, they all mm-hmm. sort of fall off the shelf and then are back on the shelf. So there is that going on. Mm-hmm. So they have that ability to climb back up through the bed. Um, yeah, and we, yeah, we tried to keep it uh, logical as far as if you look at that that opening shot where it pushes in through the kid's bedroom onto the onto the shelf, you can you can sort of see how they might be able to climb down and then get back up again if they have, uh, uh, you know, if they just have a little help. So, Cool. 
okay, my my next shelf life question, and this kind of is somewhat sim- a little bit similar to the, pre- the to the previous question, but it has a little bit more to it. Because um, like even though shelf life is still in its um, infancy, um, do you see? Do, you know, do the both of you see it growing into other venues later on, such as possibly comics or even uh, prequel tales of of, of uh, said characters like Hero Man or Hero Last, Bug Boy or Samurai Snake? Like, say for instance, if you go and look at uh, Disney's Toy Story. Um, mm-hmm. Years down the line, they decided to do a, a 2D animated version of The Adventures of Buzz Lightyear, which right. which was like all the stuff that happened before Toy Story, supposedly. Right. Yeah. So, could you see shelf life going in that direct going in that direction sometime? I have to tell you, you're asking all the right questions because these things are all things that we've talked about and we have ideas for. Um, I don't want to give anything away or say exactly what's going on because you know a lot of this is up in the air. But there's been a lot of talk of, of many of those things that you just uh, brought up and mentioned. And so it's exciting to us to see that people like yourself are watching the show and those ideas are popping into their heads because that gives us the clue that we're on the right track. Because if we're creating something and then people are thinking about what we've created and then asking questions and it has to do with things that we've already started to explore and talk about it, it makes us feel really good. <laughs> yeah. so, so the answer is yes. Okay. That's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's cool. I've just like spent like you know like the last few years really studying media and content and and like production stuff, all types of stuff and so like there are times where I just allow myself to just sit down and just like enjoy a cartoon or a movie or or a television show and then there are other times where I'll just sit there and say okay, they could do this with that or how about if they try this and or you know spin this off and do something else so i can that that whole creative side and content side really just gets excited but um at the same time i have to like turn that off so i can enjoy it and not bug my wife to death with all the behind the scenes stuff totally yeah. well, that's the same like when we go see a movie like we understand how movies are made but i still like to get caught up in the entertainment of it too you know i don't want to just sit there and go well i wonder where the boom mic was <laughs> yeah. she, she's much better at that she can lose herself a little easier than i can these days um you know knowing as much as we know about that stuff uh, but you're right i think sometimes you have to turn that off if you really want to enjoy it yes Tara has done a lot of voiceover work, um, as well as Yuri, in both animation and in video games. Um, some of the um, things that some of you may know of um, is um, Tara has done work as Tamari on Naruto. Uh, she was the voice of Wonder Woman in Mortal Kombat versus DC, and the voice of Tron Bon in a Marvel vs. Yeah. Capcom 3. Uh-huh. And other various video games. And also in Bleach uh, was the voice of uh, Lisa Yadamaru. Mm-hmm. And Yuri is the voice of Ben Tennyson, a.k.a. Ben 10. And I know yeah. once my cousins uh, hear this podcast, it will freak out because I, <laughs> <laughs> because I interviewed Ben 10. Um, also, the voice of uh, Kigo Asano in Bleach, um, Iceman in Wolverine and the X-Men, a cartoon I really liked. I did enjoy that series a lot. And, Me too. Um, I'm sorry it didn't go on longer. Yeah, the whole thing with um, it was you know under Nickelodeon's uh, belt, but the whole thing with Marvel and Disney and the rights lapsed, and so it reverted back, yeah. and it just became a mess. But it's just the way it ended. I was enjoying it. I got I started to enjoy it toward the end, and then it went away, and now I'm sad. But I can still yeah. watch yeah. it. But that's okay. Yeah, but yeah, but at least we got what we did. I that guess. that is very true. And um, you 
also did the voice of Superman in Legion of Superheroes and um, also did the voice of the Red Ranger in Power Ranger Super Legends, which I would have bought if it was on Xbox. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I, I can't help it. I, I'm, a, I'm an old school Power Rangers fan by heart. I can't help it. But um, oh, Nothing wrong with that. Okay, cool. Well, my, 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 my question to, to the both of you is this. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in doing voiceover work in video games and voiceover work in animation? There, yeah, you know what? It's uh, at, at the heart, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, we're, it's still voice acting, it's still acting, um, but the little techniques, you work different muscles depending on what you're doing. On For animation, for example, you could also break that down into uh, original animation um, and dub animation, where in dub animation, you know, it's already been animated and they've already done a voice track to it. And the script gets translated, and then you as the actor get the, the new script, and it's all timed out, and it's very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, you record you know, one person at a time, uh, one character at a time, and you, you watch the original performance, and then you come back in, and they pull the original performance out, and you've got these, these uh, three beeps that lead you right into the line, and then you try to, you know, you do your best to, to translate the... The, the emotional, you know, content and the meaning, you know, the original meaning, but in English or whatever language you're translating it to, um, and time it out so that it fits the, the mouth flaps. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things to be thinking about, and it's very technical. If you're doing a regular old uh, uh, original animation, you're starting from, the, from, from zero, they'll record your voice first and then animate later, so you don't have to think about those things. And oftentimes you'll get to do it in a room with... A bunch of other actors at the same time so you get to play off other actors which as an actor is you know the preferable way to do it because you actually have somebody else in the room to react to and then when it comes to video games video games are sort of like unless it's a unless you're you know dubbing a video game in essence uh, if it's a, it's a game that's already been created and you're just replacing the voice track the the, the process is similar to original animation in that you don't have to worry about what things look like. You just, you know, you just you lay, lay out your performance. Uh, but it's also technical to a different degree, because especially in video games, there, there are very specific things that they need to make the game work. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in video games, they usually involve screaming a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and efforts, and, lots know, of efforts. Lots of efforts, lots of fighting, <laughs> uh, lots of getting set on fire and electrocuted and things like that. Uh, so it can be very grueling mm-hmm. uh, because they've also, I mean, you know how, how extensive video games are these days. And, you know, you get, you know, hundreds of hours of gameplay. And I think when we, when we recorded uh, Fallout New Vegas, I think they had to record 60,000 lines of dialogue. That's a lot which, of lines. Whoa, that's, <laughs> that, yeah, that's yeah, a lot. lot. That, I'm that's sure that's more than any feature film has ever had. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, because, you know, you've just got all these, you know, all the alternatives in the game, they have to sort of cover with all the different characters and all the possible, you know, branches of the story and everything. And unfortunately, to, to get all that in, in time, uh, you have to rush through a lot uh, sometimes. Like you'll have uh, this huge Excel spreadsheet with, you know, just pages and pages and pages of lines, and they don't have time to give every line you know, well, let's see how we're going to do it. You know, maybe we'll, you know, this is the situation and let's talk about direction and here's what's going on in the scene. Unfortunately, just, you know, the economics of it, there's not the time to, to give to everyone. So often we'll just be running down pages of lines. They'll, they'll say, 
give me three, you know, three takes of this one. And you try to give them three takes, maybe of varying intensities, just, you know, just in case the, uh, you know, they need to use them at different parts of the game or they're not exactly sure where it's going to be used yet. And, and they say just, okay, now move on to the next line. Mm -hmm. Okay, next, next. And they're in such a time crunch. You know, there's, you know, they don't have weeks to spend on one character sometimes. Right. And, uh, so sometimes, you know, we're just, we're just running down the page and the only time that they really sort of tell us to stop is if, you know, if, if we're not quite giving them what, what they need for that. For the gameplay to work. Cause you know, I mean, yeah. they could have a, they could have a line like, where is he? The line is, where is he? Well, you can say that in a number of ways. I mean, you could whisper it, you could shout it, you could sound afraid, you could sound angry. Like there's so many different interpretations for just one line. Um, it's interesting though, cause uh, we, we do, we, we, we actually wrote a book on voiceover and voice acting in particular because questions like that come up a lot. People really want to know how it works and people are viewing voiceover as more of a career that you can actually achieve and create. And so uh, we wrote a book almost now, like a year and a half, two years ago, um, just on that, that talks about all the various different kinds of voiceover and how to get into it and how it works and making your own reel and all that stuff. And uh, where can people get that book? Oh, yeah. You uh, you can get that book uh, a number of different places. Uh, I believe Barnes & Noble carries it. uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon.com, you can get it on, and uh, our website, uh, VoiceOverVoiceActor.com. The book is called VoiceOver Voice Actor: What It's Like Behind the Mic. Uh-huh. And you can even go to the to the website, to our website, to sort of uh, check out more what the book's about, and uh, you know, read some examples of it and things uh-huh. like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Well, see, I always yeah. wondered why with some video games where like the voice acting, it's it it was. I guess I'll see some. There's some video games I play where the voice acting is bad, but uh, after ex- after you know the both of you explaining the situation between the production of voiceover during video uh, games, it makes sense now at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's 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 not always the the fault of the you know of the game or the the directors or the actors. You know, always because sometimes they're just so under the gun that they don't have time to you know to give to every line. And it's uh, it's a testament to those games that really do take the time, and you can, and then you you, you hear it and you feel it in the yeah. gameplay, and you see it in the characters that you know that there was there was care taken with it. Well, I know that the both of you have very busy lives and have a lot of things that that y'all have to take care of. But I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you being respectful of that. But if you had one last burning question that you we'll want to ask, we'll be happy to answer it. We'll, we'll be happy to. Give you <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let me go through. Let me go through my notes. Um, I think we hit them. Actually, we actually hit them all up. Yay! Right. Yes. Well, if you think if you think of some more in the future, or something else comes up, and you want to call us again, we've we've had fun on this one, and uh, we would we would welcome your your future uh, calls. Definitely. Oh. Oh well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I um, had a great time doing this. Doing this interview, had a real fun time, and okay. and and I feel I I, I learned something today. So right, uh, that's that's always good. I always like learning. Yes, and and can you tell the people where they can get everything shelf life? Sure. Uh, well, like you said at the top of the call, uh, it's shelf life series dot com. If you just want to find it on the internet, or you can go to YouTube dot com slash shelf life the series you can also follow it on twitter um it's just the the twitter handle is 
Shelf Life series. Um, you can follow the various characters on Twitter, and it's all their names, SL. So it's Bug Boy SL, Bug Boy SL Hero Man SL, Hero Lass SL, and Samurai Snake SL. <laughs> um, and then you can also follow Yuri and I on Twitter. It's Mine is my handle is Tara Platt. Yuri's handle is Yuri Lowenthal. We, we try to, we try well, to, we try it to keep easy. it simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the voiceover book is VO Voice Actor on Twitter. And like I said, you can go to voiceovervoiceactor.com for more information on the book. Um, we have a whole lot of ways to find us on the internet. We also yeah. have websites, terraplat.com and yurilowenthal.com. And there's links back to all the other various things that you might yeah, be interested man, if, in. If you can't stalk us on the internet, that's your that's, <laughs> that's the problem you have because we're making it as we're, easy we're as possible. We're super easy to find all over. <laughs> well, great. Well, great. Well, thank you again so much for this interview. And Thanks so much, Sean. Oh, you're more than welcome. I look forward to talking to you in the future. Definitely. We Sounds good. Too. Have a thank good one. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and get started here. Going to have a little bit of trailer talk. You know, really, we've never really done that here on the podcast, but, you know, Donnie suggested it. And I said, you know what, that's a good idea. And so we're going to go ahead and do that. We're going to talk about a few trailers. We're going to talk about, um, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six. We're going to talk about six trailers that we watched. And the first one um, is, which one, which one do you want to do first, Donnie? Uh, let's do Snow White and the Huntsman. So originally we were going to talk about the G.I. Joe traits that I read like last month, but I'm moving. So they're all packed someplace. And I, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I read so much stuff. I only remember bits and pieces and I don't even remember what's in each volume. <laughs> it's all just meshing together. So instead of giving people wrong information and you're like, I bought volume 12, but none of what he said is in there. And. <laughs> It's in volume 11 and it's 13. It's okay. It's okay, Donnie. It's all right, champ. It's okay. It's okay. No, no, no worries. No worries. You said champ. Yes. Yeah, so it's all right, little buddy. Yo, look at it like this. This episode is already better than number 67. So, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're, on, a, we're, on, we're on a good track right now. So, <laughs> but no, um, in Snow White and the Huntsman, in, yes. um, according to IMDb, in a twist to the fairy tale, the huntsman ordered to take Snow White into the woods to be killed winds up becoming her protector and mentor in a quest to vanquish the evil queen. The film is directed by Rupert Sanders and a bunch of writers whose names I can't pronounce. And it stars Kristen Stewart, Chris Hemsworth, and yes. Charlize Theron as the evil queen. Yes, and it's it's got the the serial killer from Monster Thor and the little boy from Panic Room. <laughs> Good old Ian McShane is in it. I was just gonna say that too, man. And you can't go wrong with Bob Hoskins. <laughs> it's got Bob Hoskins. I, I like saying that name. Don't that sound like a donut shop? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. I wonder two if it, for one glazed, <laughs> right next to Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> it's also from the producer of Alice in Wonderland, which automatically made me do the hold up because I was not a big fan of the Alice in Wonderland Disney movie. I thought it was dreadful. <sighs> I didn't watch it. You should be thankful. I got through forty five minutes, and I just said, "You know what? This is a complete and utter waste of my time." And I had well, to I turn my it wife. Off. My wife, I think, took our niece to see that, and she said that my niece enjoyed it a lot more than she did. Yes, you know, maybe it's just for another generation. I just personally think the film is just awful. But now, as far as the trailer goes for Snow White and the Huntsman, what did you think? Actually, I it looks pretty cool. 
I mean, I mean, I don't think like this is definitely for for net, like I don't think I'll go to the movies to see this. Mm-hmm. But if it's on Netflix, I might watch it. It's it's very uh, epic. It's like very Lord of the Rings ish in scope and and um. But then you're you're watching it and you're like, holy crap! And then you're like, but this is Snow White, right? And then it goes back into the to the fairy tale. But yeah, I mean, basically, Chris Hemsworth. He's going to be the huntsman, and then Charlize Theron's the evil queen, and and the little boy from Panic Room is Snow White. And uh, will you quit calling Kristen Stewart the little boy from Panic Room? That's mean, man. Watch Panic Room. Did you see Panic Room? Yeah, I saw Panic Room many years ago. Okay, and you you had any idea that that was a boy or a girl? Any clue at all? You know what? I'm not saying nothing. I didn't think so. I'm not Please saying fail. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> okay. You, but you need to stop calling her a little boy. That's just I'm wrong. Sorry. That's okay. just wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Miss Stewart. I was a big fan of... Is Jimmy Stewart related to her at all? You, I don't know. Would you stop it? All right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It looks... It, it looks... Str- it, it's cool and strange all at the same time. It's epic in scope. It's like... the From the trailer, it really does. It looks, there's like... There's like crazy medieval Dungeons and Dragons type battle scenes and and, and Charlize Theron is a badass as the evil queen. She looks like she's been waiting to play this since she was like eight years old. Mm-hmm. She looked like she pent up all that anger from making Eon Flux and was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take it out on everybody in this movie as Mighty my role. Young. Oh, oh, come on, son. <laughs> everybody tried to forget about Mighty Joe Young, including Mighty Joe Young himself. The CGI ape is somewhere on the internet, just like trying to like find any any knowledge of the movie so he can erase it. But you know what? There's pieces of me. Like I was watching the trailer first. Like I was just watching it and I wasn't really paying attention. In the back of my mind, I said, "There's going to be a scene where there will be nothing but snow, and and Snow White's going to be knocked out, and you're going to see the red apple in the snow. And because of the, all the snow, the red apple is really going to stand out." Right. And so I turned my head and I look and lo and behold, there's the scene of Snow White knocked out with the red apple in the snow and like it's pan, you know, it's in the camera's panning up and up and up. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was just joking. And it was like right there. <laughs> and then you got the scenes where like um, where the huntsman is running like like run, running like Russell Crowe and Robin Hood trying to chop people up and whatever. And then you got the dwarves with them and, and all this other stuff. And then the queen is talking to the mirror and then this mirror turns into a gold blob that's like folding his arms looking hard like Run DMC. And yeah, but it sounded like Morgan Freeman. Yes. I thought it was Morgan Freeman, to be honest with you. For a I second, was like, I'm looking right now to see the cast. For a, se- like, who's, for a second. Mirror? For a second, I thought it was too. But I, I, you know, I, I, I tried to find out. But see, I would have known it if it was Morgan Freeman if he had said that line out of uh, "From Wanted." Shoot this motherfucker! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's that's Morgan Freeman. But you know what? And there's also some scenes where when Snow White is in the battle gear, it reminds me of the Messenger, the Joan, the story of Joan Arc that had Le- uh, Mila Jojovich from like uh, back in like '99, and. I just don't know. This is like this is like Hollywood's new way of trying to do things without having to really. They're just trying to mix stuff up. It's like Snow White's a public domain character, so it's like we don't have to pay anybody for this. So let's you know do our own twist on Snow White because this is the new thing. It's kind of like how ABC and NBC both took stuff from Fables and said, "Let's do Fables, but not do Fables." So wait a minute, time hold up. (laughs) Okay. 
uh, once upon a time, uh-huh. I still don't understand how the people from Fables ain't suing nobody. Uh, Grim is uh, it's totally different. Totally different. See, I've watched yeah. Once Upon a Time. I have not I have not had time to check the pilot for Grim yet. Yeah, no. Uh, Grim is um, it's almost I don't know how to explain it. It's it's very Buffy ish. And I'll leave it at that. I'll let you see it. All right, no and problem. Then could, and we could talk about it. No, 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 that's fine. That's uh, thanks to the NBC app because unlike CB, <laughs> unlike unlike CBS, NBC wants you to watch their shows if you miss it the first week. I'm t- I, I'm gonna tell you something about CBS one time, but I ain't gonna do that right now. We talking about these trailers, but um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, let it out, let it out. No, it's just it's bullshit. It's like look. We're all busy. My DVR and my wife's DVR can only record so much in a week. And, you know, I leave the DVR for her because she watches the shows and has time to, unlike me. So if there's a show on CBS I like, like, say, for instance, Person of Interest, which has me interested because it's got Jesus and Linus in it. And it's, oh, that's right. And it also has, um, also has my girl from um, Hustle and Flow in it, who actually has more awards than both Jesus and Linus on the show and gets no play. None. You watch any of those episodes, any of those commercials for those episodes, she gets absolutely no play whatsoever. And she's like the connect between the both of them in the show. But anyway, any, anyway, I, I digress. I digress. Um, but anyway, like I was saying, my point is, is that there's no CBS app. There's no way to watch. Like if you miss an episode, Guess what? You shit out of luck because they're not replaying it anywhere. They they've always been that way. I know, I know, I know. And I wish they would just get with the times. But see, maybe that's the way they've become the number one network because they've literally held you hostage and you have to watch it when it either through DVR or when it comes on. So maybe that's why they're the number one network with all the ratings because they don't allow you to watch the shit anywhere else. So, but back to what we were talking about: Snow White and the Huntsman. Um, it's got a really good cast. But the fact that it comes from like one of the people that helped make that Disney Alice in Wonderland has me on edge a little bit. I'm sorry, it just does. It's, and it's got Nick Frost in it, man. I haven't seen Nick Frost do a, a movie without Simon Pegg. Yes, and but he's in it. Yes, it's, it's like it's like a who's who of English actors are actually in this thing. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm 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 intrigued, but I think for this film. Unless the missus wants to see it at the movie theater, um, we shall wait until it gets to the dollar show, or we will watch it when it is available on the Netflix. Yeah, that's how I'm going with it as well. Well, Since we don't have a dollar show here in Connecticut, I will wait until... (laughs) <laughs> Netflix. You should just you know you should just fly on down here one weekend and we can go watch like ten movies for ten dollars and all the films are in pretty good shape and get a bucket <laughs> yeah, of popcorn. It only cost me three hundred and fifty bucks for a round trip air ticket. But to think, go see. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it, it costs you three hundred and fifty dollars to go watch all ten of them movies right now. Right, right. And I'd be like, Hunt, but come on. <laughs> You know how much money we'll be saving? <laughs> and then the next day divorce papers will be served. Dun dun. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and move on to our next trailer. A thousand words. <sighs> this is not yet released. Uh, they're saying somewhere in March, maybe. Yeah, March twenty eighth, March twenty third, two thousand twelve. Uh, this is. Oh, Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. the little girl from um, 
Modern Family, Ariel Winter. Yes. It's got Allison Janney, Kerry Washington. Those are the big names, the bigger names that I know. Everybody Jack else. Jack McBriar from 30, 30 Rock. Rock. Yes. And Clark Duke. You've seen him in such movies as Sex Drive. I think he's in uh, Kick-Ass for a minute. Yeah, he was in Kick-Ass for a minute. He was also in, uh, oh, 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 give me a second. I know the name of the movie. He was also in Death Race. Remember he was one of the mechanics in Death Race? <laughs> yes. If if, yeah. me, if memory serves me right now, and I may be wrong, I may be wrong, but I could swear he was one of the uh, mechanics had a small role in that, but I'm probably wrong. So, anyway. John, John Witherspoon has a cameo in it. Yeah. And Bunny Levine. I, nobody knows who Bunny Levine is. Stop Bunny it. Levine. She was the woman on the pair. She was a beautiful actress from the from the forties. <laughs> Stop it. She she she's been in Cadillac Man and 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 Sarah goes to lunch. Don't mess with the Zohans. And you know what? We we are, we are we wanted to get the, we're going to put this back on track. Bunny Levine. Uh, the the purpose of this film of a thousand words, um, according to IMDb, after stretching the truth on the on a deal with a spiritual guru, literary agent Jack McCall finds a Bodhi tree on his property. Its appearance holds a valuable lesson on the consequences of every word we speak. Long story short, is every time um, Eddie Murphy's character Jack McCall. Um, speaks a tree falls a leaf falls from the tree and once all the leaves are gone he will die and so after no after realizing this he has a a thousand words left that he can say before he dies which changes his life completely now it has a little bit of liar liar to it when you watch the trailer there's a little bit of liar liar um and also, this film is directed by Brian Robbins, who also worked with Eddie Murphy on two other movies, Meet Dave and Norbit. Yeah. And this is, here's the thing. I didn't like Norbit. I didn't like Meet Dave. You know, I, you know, I like Brian Robbins. Brian Robbins is one of the people, like during my teenage, early 20 years, gave me all that on Nickelodeon. Okay. I'm, me and Brian Robbins are cool with that. So I'm, I'm good there. But this, I'm not cool with. It, it really, I've seen it before. And, you know, and like, look, I'm 36 years old. So I'm, I'm going to have seen this stuff a gajillion times already. But it's still, I want Eddie back, man. I want my Eddie back, Eddie back, Eddie back. <laughs> and he actually does a baby back ribs joke in this. He sure does. How timely of you, Eddie Murphy. Yes. Yes. Kerry Washington is that man. Alicia Masters from Fantastic Four 2. Mm-hmm. In the end of one, mm-hmm. I, um, this looks, it, I'm, you know, all right. This looks like something that Jim Carrey said. No, nah, I already did this movie. Yeah. Um, it did have some, it looked like funny parts, uh, but this is also a Netflix or two. Yeah. And not only that, supposedly this film has been in the can since 2008. Oh, uh, really? Okay. So. What are they going on? Like, uh, because of uh, what's that movie he's in now? Heist, the, the Tower the Heist, t- Tower Heist. Yeah, because they're they're saying the reviews I heard is it, it's uh, it's a decent movie, but it's like old Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that's what they're saying. But the big problem is the big problem with Tower Heist is is that people expecting to see Eddie Murphy in that for you know from the jump, Eddie Murphy doesn't come into the second half of the movie. Yeah, he's not into like forty minutes in and. And and like you know, I'm I'm tired of Ben Stiller, yo. 
It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just, cause like, I, when it comes to like him doing like mainstream stuff, you know what you're going to get out of Ben Stiller and you can literally predict what he will say or do the first, like, right. and I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm honestly tired of, it. and I had no desire to see, to see Tower Heist, especially after Eddie Murphy talked about that originally there, the concept for Tower Heist was it was supposed to be the quote unquote Black Ocean's 11 with Eddie Murphy, Chris Tucker, Chris Rock, um, possibly even Jamie Foxx, Mike Epps. And when I hear that and then I see this, I'm like, nah. I'm, I'm like, there's no purpose for me to, to even watch this, especially in, knowing that Eddie's only like in the last 40 minutes, you know, so. <laughs> so, so they replaced like Chris Tucker with uh, with Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, you know, the Hollywood rule. Once you have more than two black actors or two, mi- you know, or two minority actors in the film, it's no longer a quote unquote mainstream movie. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, for, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like on the uh, Girl on Guy podcast that Aisha Tyler has, mm-hmm. um, she, I forgot who she was uh, interviewing, who she was talking to, but um, she told the story about how she um, tried out for the role that Angelina Jolie hadn't wanted. And because, like, you know, in the comic book, the, the character that Jolie plays in the comic book is black. Oh, yeah, she would have been good, too. She looks just like her, actually. Yeah. And so, and Maggie Q was also up, you know, was also up for a role in that movie, too. So what happened was, was that Aisha's agent called her up and said, they hired Morgan Freeman. And so Aisha, Aisha Tyler says, oh, that's awesome. Morgan Freeman's a great actor. I love to work with Morgan Freeman. And, and they already had Common in the movie as well, so, to which the agent then said, no, 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 you don't understand. They hired Morgan Freeman, which was the code for, we've got two black people, um, no more. <laughs> and then, yeah. they did, then they did the same thing to Maggie Q and said, they hired Morgan Freeman. And that was the code word for no more, no more minorities were good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to a thousand words. I have no desire. I yeah, it's if it's on Netflix and I got nothing to do, I'll put it on. But other than that, I'm not. And, and the thing is, you know what? It might actually be funny. But the problem is, is that you look at Eddie's track record for like, you know, ever since after like after Dreamgirls, I love Dreamgirls. He was great in Dreamgirls because he was actually doing something. Mm-hmm. And then look at his track record track record after Dreamgirls. And it, dude, it will hurt your heart because, you know, Eddie Murphy is better than that. Right. And so, no, man, no, I, I have to pass. Let's move on to a movie uh, that we've been sitting here and waiting and waiting and saying, when will they make this movie? Thank God they made this movie. When are they going to make this movie? Oh, it's here. 21 Jump Street. <laughs> Starring Channing Tatum and weird-ass looking Jonah Hill. And Ice Cube. And Ice Cube. Ice Cube is the Which chief. means I got to watch it now. Yes, you Ice do. Ice Cube's in it. Yes, you he do. He plays Captain, Captain Dickinson. Yes, you Dixon. know, you know, Sorry. you know, you know. Somewhere, Stephen Williams is proud. Yeah, you know. So for those who don't know, Stephen Williams, who, who was the chief on uh, the original Twenty One Jump Street, and he was also Mister X on the X Files. You know that anytime that black dude showed up on X Files, that was Mister X. He was also. Um, he just actually died last season. On uh, he used to show up every now and then on Supernatural. Oh, for real. Yeah, he he played Bobby's. I don't know if you know the show at all. I know the show a little bit. I don't. But you know, redneck Bobby, yeah. the guy they always go to. He played his old partner. Oh, and they killed him. And they show up every now and then. Yeah, he yeah he, he died. But I mean, like he's been in and out since like season two. Okay. So, 
But yeah, Jonah Hill, man, he lost weight, but he still got fat person face. <laughs> so he just looks weird, and it freaks me out. I can't really. No, but when I watched the trailer, and they cut back to uh, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in high school, and like right before they cut back, and Channing was like, not so slim shady. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. and they cut back to high school when he had the Eminem, the Eminem hair, yeah, hair. with the braces, uh-huh. and, and the white t shirt and the chain. Right. Oh, that did make me laugh. It had a lot of, um, it, it did. I mean, like it's just going to be absolutely ridiculous. And you know, Jonah Hill co-wrote the film, right? He did, yeah. And 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 Channing Tatum is he was from. He was okay. He was Duke from GI Joe. Yes, sir. Okay. He's all. Remember, he was in Step Up and and Step Up to the Streets. The Streets. Yes. He was in Fighting. You and know what? Stop Loss. I don't even know what that is. No, no. Stop Loss was a uh, was MTV movie about um you know about you know these young kids literally being pulled out of high school and going straight over to Iraq. Ah, uh, uh, you know that. Oh, I think I remember something like that because that also had jo- uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt in it too. He played Pretty Boy Floyd in Public Enemies. Channing Tatum to them to them Channing Tatum. Really, I saw Public Enemies. I don't remember seeing him in that from two thousand and nine. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, loved I that saw movie. it too. I don't remember him uh, in uh, it either. I'm, I might have to go back and. and I went to the movies to see that. So did I. I loved it, man. I thought that movie was awesome. I thought it was pretty good. I, I don't think I have the love for it that you do. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but um, but but yeah, you know oh, what? GI Joe Two Retaliation. We'll get to that later. I'm sorry. We got we got we got to keep the train on the track. Um, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> but no, you know what, man? It's look. Let's be real. I mean, MGM many many years ago in the '90s. Remember when they tried to bring back the Mod Squad with Claire Danes, Omar Epps, and uh, sure do, and Giovanni Rabisi. Yep. And that didn't really go too well. They tried to make it real serious, and what nobody feeling it, and it tanked. So you know, ten. 10, 12 years later, you come back with a new version of 21 Jump Street, make it a comedy. I mean, how many people from this current generation of kids actually even know what 20, 21 Jump Street is? When they see Johnny, Je- Johnny Depp, they don't say, hey, that's dude from 21 Jump Street. No, I know. So, but how, how the hell are you the only person you're going to be able to get into this movie to make a cameo for 21 Jump Street is Johnny Depp? He's like the one dude that actually has shit to do. Wait a minute, Johnny Depp actually has a cameo in this? Yes, he does. You mean to tell me they couldn't find Richard Grieco? That's what I'm saying. You know, and I know Holly Robinson Pete got work. You know, she be on CBS talking all the time now. Oh no, she left that show because she's on. Um, uh, I I follow her because she <laughs> is fine as hell. Okay, Rodney Pete is a lucky man, and um, she he, yes sir, and uh, <laughs> she's on Mike and Molly now. Oh, really? I don't know for how long, but she she's going to be on Mike and Molly for for a minute. Wow, CBS just be stealing people for their own shows. That's right. Wow. But they got Aisha Taylor to take her spot. Oh, Aisha Taylor got it? Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't I don't fool with those talk shows, but uh, but good. Because I will follow her around, too. I know you will. And it's okay. And it's all but yeah, right. man. Richard Grieco and a little, and, and a little Chinese guy. What about, I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. What about, <laughs> what about the DeLuise kid? Peter DeLuise yeah. ain't doing nothing. Right. Right. What, what's he managing his dad's restaurants? What's he doing? <laughs> See, that's making wrong. badass sci-fi channel movies is what he's doing. You know what? I'm gonna look up Peter Dolby's right now. <laughs> I'm gonna find out what that fool is doing. Last, Talk to the people, Sean. Last time I remember Peter Dolby's being in anything, it was in Sequest. That's the last time I remember he was in and anything. We just, and we just lost. <laughs> we just lost listeners. Yes, right we did. There. Yes, we did. Peter Dolby's. 
All right. After a couple of years after he wanted to be a full-time director, how'd that work out for you, Pete? Why are you so mean, man? I'm sorry. <laughs> why, just, why are you so bitter? <laughs> Don't you hear your bitterness right now? I do. I'm sorry. It's okay. But, yeah, he was a, let's see, he's an actor, actor, 45 titles. Holy shit. He's been in everything I've never seen. There you go. <laughs> now, I will admit, though, one thing in the 21 Jump Street trailer that did make me laugh, because also it does have Ron Swanson in the movie um, from, uh, from Parks and Recreation. And um, uh, Channing Tatum's uh, name, I think it's Janko. I forget who uh, Johnny, Johnny, uh, Jonah Hill is Schmidt. After they graduate from the academy, they basically become bike cops and they have nothing to do. And they end up busting somebody, and they get all excited and start like dancing, o- dancing over their arrest victim, you know, over the person they arrested. They never read the guy his Miranda rights. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And Channing Tatum's like, "You have the right to be a be an attorney." And like, <laughs> dude, it's like, "What did you just say?" Did and, you just say you have the right to be an attorney? And and, and then like Jonah Hill was like, um, "Well, you know, actually, he, you know, the person does have the right to be an attorney." And then that was kind of funny. That, that was kind of funny. And then Ice Cube came in, and I just started chuckling because Ice Cube was like, "You know what? I'm just going to be Ice Cube for for this role, and I'm just going to cuss at these kids, and we, we good." So I'll admit, I'll go see this. No, I just, I, yeah. Well. I'll wait for Netflix. Um, yeah, I just I'm, I'm <laughs> clicking on everybody from uh, <laughs> for Twenty One Jump Street mm-hmm. and Peter DeLuise. No, I'm on Dustin Nguyen. No, he's not doing it either, which makes me sad inside. <laughs> Why do these people got to say no? Well, you know, some of them may have been. You asked. think they were even asked? They were just like, "Well, we got." It's, it's like the thing is the only the only one. I mean. Like, I mean, I know I'll remember Holly Robinson Pete, but really the only two people people probably remember from 21 Jump Street are Holly Robinson Pete and Johnny Depp. You, you know what I'm saying? Plus, Richard Grieco is still upset about his cameo in uh, A Night at the Roxbury. So, um, <laughs> hey, I'm just keeping it real. So, Richard Grieco. <laughs> so, no, man, it's just one of those things. Plus, like I said, it's, it's, that's on the producers, and that's also on the producers of the film, too. And if the producers are like, hey, we know Johnny, we can get him in for a minute, so be it. Let's call it a day. Damn, Sal, Sal Jenko, who did 42 episodes of the show, don't even got a, a picture on IMDb. <laughs> Richard Grieco. <laughs> We're going to see. Um, no, he's doing video game work. Oh, hey, man. That's good money, depending on what you do. He was in Raiders of the Damned. I don't know what that is. I don't either. I but don't. he was in Marvel versus Comcast 3, Cop, Capcom, sorry, Comcast. Marvel, Marvel versus a cable company. company. He was in, He played Loki in the Almighty Thor. Was that a... I'm clicking on that. I don't care how far we get derailed. I got to find out. Well, that was on a sci-fi channel. Yeah, man. That was one of those terrible, terrible movies that that this company called The Asylum makes. And like they, like they do like the CGI that's like so bad it has like one pass and they don't render anything. Dude, dude. Okay, he was with Cody Deal, whoever that might be. It was Richard Grieco, Patricia Velasquez, who looks kind of cute, and Kevin Nash is Odin. Oh, I know. I saw. I saw the trailer. Um, Kevin Nash. I saw the trailer. Oh. Thor. Thor has AK forty sevens and Uzis and shooting people in the streets. I thought she looked familiar. She was the hot chick in The Mummy Returns. <laughs> the one that was on the bad guy side. Oh. I knew she looked familiar. She was the one they were trying to resurrect. Uh, Remember what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I know what you're saying. Shoot. I got you, Donnie. I she got you. You as hell. I got you. 
What's wrong with me today? I, I don't know. I don't know. We are moving on from 21 Jump Street. Yes. Okay. So, so, so far, I'm three Netflix in a row. You're two Netflix and see it yes. in the movies, right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So next would be Red Tails. I will go see this movie. I already got my, my, I already got my money already put to the side. It is ready. This, yeah, this looks good. This is about a crew of African-American pilots in the Tuscany training program have faced segregation while kept mostly on the ground during World War II are called into duty. Under the guidance of Colonel A.J. Bullard. Anytime someone makes a movie about the Tuskegee Airmen, I will be there. Oh, look at you trying to make me sound stupid. What? They're not Tuskegee? Yeah, Tuskegee. Okay. It's all right. right. Brother, it's okay. I ain't mad at you. You want to know why? Because you know what? You didn't didn't mess it up on purpose. You know what I'm saying? You didn't mess it up on purpose. (laughs) You didn't pull a Daryl. You all right. I love you. Oh, let's just let's just keep going. We're gonna keep let's going. Just, yeah, let's not open that can of worms. No, we're not gonna open that can of worms. Plus this go ahead, go ahead. This has uh you got uh radio, war machine, <laughs> you got uh radio. <laughs> Why you gotta call Cuba Goody Jr. radio? I'm just kidding, man. Radio I won't like pie. I ra- <laughs> yeah, I ain't forgot. Can't stand that movie, man. I'm sorry, go ahead, uh, please. Please. Yeah, it's it's got. I mean, everybody and anybody, man. Yeah, I'm surprised. Why can't Lucas call it Billy D? He probably tried to call Billy D, man. But no, he did not, because Billy D's phone is on. <laughs> no, what I like about the film. Oh, you know who LTOs too. Who? Why didn't you call the brother that played uh that played Jar Jar Binks? You owe him a favor. Yeah, he does. Okay? He does. That owe, dude is hated. He does owe Ahmed Best some a favor. But you know what? I bet you Lucas gave him a nice fat royalty check for all the Jar Jar stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure he took care of him. He's like, look, man. You know what? What you're about to do, you're about to be hated for the rest of your life, and you will never find work ever again. So let me just go ahead and take care of you for like the next 15 years. And what I you just remember that poor guy? Because I seen the. I remember watching the red carpet of the uh, Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And that dude came down that, and he was following like Mark Hamill, and the dude dressed like Chewbacca. He was all excited, and he's like, "Look at me, look at George Lucas, bitch! Look, I made this movie!" <laughs> and then everybody's like, "That was the worst character ever in the history of cinema ever!" And like, you never saw him again. No, he was just so proud to be in that movie. Yeah, yes, he was. I remember, I remember um, during a uh, a promotional tour. Um, I, I don't know if he was at a at a convention with some other Star Wars people or whatever. This was right before Phantom Menace came out. Um, they introduced him. He came out, took the microphone, started like beatboxing like the Star Wars theme. It was like, who's going to buy some George R. action figures? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. But going back to Red Tails, um, the one thing like about the trailer and a lot of people don't understand, don't realize this, but because like Lucas is on as an executive producer. Of the, right. of the film, he's not directing it. He's an executive producer, yeah, and it's his, it's his film company yeah. that's making the movie. Yes, Lucasfilm. Yes, Lucasfilm is doing it. But yeah. like the thing is, related to Star Wars wise, he got all of his like um like you know uh, X wing you know the the battles like the space battles. He pulled all that stuff out of like World War Two movies. It's like as far as like the actual footage, sure. of, you know, actual yeah. you know uh, fighting footage from these planes from way back when. That's how he did all those formations and all the other stuff. Well. 
now I actually get to see you know where that all came from in this film. And that makes me that makes me really excited. Plus, like I said, anytime you talk about the you know the Tuskegee Airmen, I, I get I get hype. And you know, it's got you know, like I said, Cuba Gooding Jr., Terrence Howard. People are like, "Why well, you got Method Man in the movie?" I'm like, you know what? In all seriousness, Method Man is a good actor. You know, you I, don't know how big of a part he plays either. Right, exactly. He might get shot down the first twenty minutes. You don't know. Right, he might not even be one of the. He might just be like part of the ground crew. You don't even know. You don't even know. And so, and then you also you have Major Dad. That's what I'm saying. How could it be bad? You got Major Dad and, and Gerald McCraney supports you know supports the Tuskegee Airmen and Brian Cranston, who is against the Tuskegee Airmen. He had he got, he's got hate. He had a Brian lot of Cranston hate. Is like one of the best actors ever. Yes, and, but the, um, just to be George Lucas and and John Ridley came up with the story. But they gave it to actual screenplay writers to write. <laughs> well, John Ridley and Aaron Mag- Magruder Aaron wrote Magruder. the screenplay. Yes, Magruder. Yeah. Now Ridley. Um, now Aaron Magruder is the cat that created the Boondocks, and um, yes. John Ridley. John Ridley's actually written a, written a bunch of things. He's Undercover also, Brother, Three Kings. Yep. Yeah. Three King, Three Kings is really good too. Three Kings. Wanda is really Sykes. Good. Mm-hmm. So. Show. So I'm not I'm not I'm not even worried about this film. I'm not. I'm very excited to go see it. I want to go see it, and, and I just I want I'm going to enjoy this. I really am. I mean, my, like I know I probably got my expectations real high, but I've been dying to see like a like a just a movie you know a movie movie version of this. Yeah, HBO had a movie a long time ago back in the late '80s early late '80s. They did a film mm-hmm. on the Tuskegee Airmen, which I think had like Blair Underwood, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner, and a bunch of people in it. Because wasn't Lawrence Fishburne in that? Fishburne too? was in that too. Yes, and and that's and that's as far as it could go back then because Hollywood wasn't trying to hear that. I, I thought what's his name was in this movie, but I can't find his. The, the crazy dude from uh, Menace to Society. No, no, I don't think he, he was did. in like everything for like the nineties, and then you never saw him again. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, no, I don't. No, I, I don't thought think he was in it. it. I don't I think so. Not. But I'm very excited about this film. All the dog fights look great. They do. The they dog- do look cool. You could say anything you want about Lucas Films, but all them Star Wars battles, those shits look tight. Yeah, man. Yeah. So this film has my vote of confidence. Money is already reserved. I will be seeing this. Yes, I would like to as well. And see, and can't nobody say Jack about the movie because George Lucas didn't direct it. So, no. you know, he just he's an executive producer. That's and it. Isn't this, isn't this the first movie that he made under Lucasfilms that was not a Star Wars and or Indiana Jones? Uh, since the Radioland Murders film way back when. You know, and it's got a pretty, it's, dude, it's got a pretty good director. I mean, it's directed by Anthony Hemingway, who, who has been either an assistant or second unit director for The Wire, Law and Order Criminal Intent, um, The Manchurian Candidate, the, you know, the, uh, the Denzel Washington flick from back when, Oz, Changing Lanes, and he was also been a director of episodes of Fringe, CSI New York, The Closer, Falling Skies, Treme, yo, this is going to be tight. So I'm not, I'm not even worried about it, man. I cannot wait to see, to see this movie. George Lucas couldn't really direct it. No, because folks would have been salty at him. Well, that he can't he can't see the sets over those pile of money. <laughs> he, can't. <laughs> he can't see. He, he's like literally. He's probably just trapped in a room right now because he's got so much money that's just filling every space available. Mm-hmm. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> so he ain't got nothing to worry about.
right before I closed out the page for Red Tails and related yeah. news on IMDb, Universal has given the green light for an Asteroids film. Why wouldn't they? I, I knew that was that's been a rumor for a very long time. There's also a rumor about Candyland, the movie as well. Dude, you know how much they've spent on Battleship? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't tell me how much. Close to two hundred million dollars. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't want to know nothing. Okay, no problem. No the world problem. is just—it's not—it's not a beautiful place, dude. That's all I'm saying. I the know. world is no longer a beautiful place. I know, man. I, I know. I know. Like like I like I told people before, you give me ten percent of what it costs to make Battleship, I could do I could do projects for like the next fifty years. I just wanna I just wanna walk go to Hollywood, walk into that studio, find the president's office, knock on his door, and when he opens it, just slap him in the face and just go just cut it out. And then just walk away. Yes. No, I heard though, but there's like a lot of game properties up. There's like, there's Candyland Operation. Um, now like Candyland, if you make that like a fun little CGI thing for kids, you might have a franchise there. Yeah, like in the vein of uh, Nomeo and Juliet. Right. So, well, I mean something. Yeah. You know, I mean you can you can in in like I, shoots and ladders. I heard has been optioned for a movie. Like really? I don't know. But anyway, let's go on to our our sec our our next trailer, which is "No One Is Safe," Safe House, starring Denzel Washington, Ryan Reynolds, and Robert Patrick. Yes. What? Robert Patrick? Yes. Yes. The, the bad Terminator from T two. Yes. Can 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 you do the 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 uh, synopsis of the film in the movie voice? Sure. Okay. A young CIA agent is tasked with looking after a fugitive. In a safe house. But when the safe house is attacked, he finds himself on the run with his charge. I will go see this movie as well. Brought to you by the makers of Battleship. No, I'm just kidding. Don't stop it. It's ran by David Guggenheim. Mm -hmm. The director is Daniel Espinoza. Yeah, it's got Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington are the main leads. And then you have everybody who's ever been in a, a CIA slash spy movie is in this movie as well. Uh, Robert Patrick, Sam Shepard, Brendan Gleeson, oh, Vera Farmiga. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yes. She's from Orphan. That's all I know her from, I think. Okay. What what I liked about the trailer was when they, you know, when they're doing like, and like with every trailer, when they're trying to set up who the bad guy is. And, yeah. and you see Denzel Washington in the bathroom with the device trying to get this important information through. And this guy is like chasing him down. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and Denzel like turns and he knows this guy's coming. And then the guy comes in the bathroom. He opens up the stall. Denzel is in there. And then like Denzel just like does like this kidney punch, turn twist and breaks the dude's neck in like two seconds. Yep. I was like, Denzel is hard. I'm like, anytime yeah. when Denzel plays a bad guy, I'm like, y y y somebody going to get hurt. Well, Denzel basically plays like one of the best CIA agents, and then for no reason at all, he just went rogue and fell off the, the grid, and now all of a sudden he's back. Mm -hmm. And they don't know why, and they want to know why. And, and uh, Ryan Reynolds, is a, he plays like a young up and comer in the CIA, and they don't give him shit to do. He just sits there and watches his safe house, and that's all he does. And then he finally gets a, a call, and they bring in Denzel Washington, 
and the shit hits the fan. Like a bunch of people just come in with machine guns and start shooting people and crazy, and he escapes with them. And then Denzel Washington's like, well, how do they know where you were if it's a safe house? Mm-hmm. 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 So there's a leak in the CIA. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, it seems like it's going to be like a pretty much by the numbers action slash uh, drama type of thing. But I do like Ryan Reynolds when he plays serious. Yes. Because when he plays comedy, to me, he's just Ryan Reynolds. Agreed. And I. And uh, and you know Denzel is always good and pretty much everything he does. No, but the but the scene toward the end of the tra- toward the end of the trailer where Reynolds is like, "I'm taking you in," and like Denzel punks him, punches him with the butt of the gun in the chest and knocks him down, knocks him down, and then like shoots right by his head. Yep, it's like I want you to take me in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, dude. This yeah, it looks good, right? Yeah, it looks very good. It looks very good. So I'm. So, so stoked for this very very stoked you know the action the, you know the action the, the well from what you get from the trailer it's like two minutes like a little over two minutes you know action drama the twists and turns and the is denzel really on the right side or on the wrong side you know you'll find out but you got to go see it so very very stoked for this film sir yes like i said it is a virtual who's who of character actors is in this movie mm-hmm. some of them don't even got names only thing it needed was claude akins and joe don baker it was like it was like Robert Patrick is playing. What's his character's name? We don't know. We, Sam Shepard. What's his character's name? We, we don't, don't know. know. <laughs> Speaking of Robert Patrick, I started going back uh, late at night because sometimes I don't get to bed till like way late. And um, WGN, I think, was playing like episodes of the Unit, mm-hmm. which I like to call Grown Folks GI Joe. Right. <laughs> that show was was good. Why did CBS cancel that show? Do, I don't know. Did they do they canceled? The unit, so they can bring medium over. Medium, which I still don't understand why people watch that show, but that's just me. But yeah, I'm like, how you gonna diss Sean Ryan? He gave you the shield. He yeah. he gave you the unit, and Fox slipped up by canceling the Chicago Code. I thought the Chicago Code was a good series, and at least it got close. At least they closed it up. At least they're able to say, okay, we're getting canceled. Fine, we will wrap up the series uh- in one nice little bow. But that was a show. To me, the Chicago Code could have lasted three years, easy. So, sure. but like Sean Ryan just gets disrespected by by Fox and CBS. That's why I got that deal with Sony now. So I hope that whatever he comes out with next gets a chance to last. So, but oh. he does a lot of shit, man. Yes, he does. A lot of uh, he pretty much just doesn't say no. Uh, as I'm looking at this resume of his, but like a lot of the uh, stuff Sean Ryan has done, he's created on his own. No, I'm talking about oh Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see uh, Double Dragon in there? I am. Uh, let's see. We're gonna go his earliest Future Hunters. He played Slade, We're- Equalizer 2000, Hollywood Boulevard 2, Die Hard 2, Terminator 2. Right in a row, it was like we need someone for a sequel. Get Robert Patrick. He does everything with a two in it. Okay. He did the voice in Terminator 2, the video game. Of course, the cameo Wayne's World, Tales from the Crypt. He was in Fire in the Sky. Yep. He played Mike Rogers. He played the T-1000 in Lax Action Hero. Dude, he got like five gigs off of that one character. Mm-hmm. He was even in Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, the picture show. <laughs> and what did he do in the music video? Objects in rear view mirror appear closer than they are. He was running in the background. They just, they're like, just get him to run and sh- double dragon. There it is. 
Kogo Shuko, Hong Kong 97. And, and it also has uh, Alyssa Milano, Double Dragon does. Strip Tease from Dustal Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money. Direct to video. Yes. Uh, a Texas Funeral. The Angry Beavers. What? That that's a, no. Angry Beavers is a cartoon on Nick. Was a cartoon on Nickelodeon. He did a voice for. Yeah. He was Shotgun Cop. <laughs> he, he was in The Sopranos. He was good in The Sopranos. Uh, Mexico City. Okay. Spy Kids. Oh, oh. Wait, no, I'm not done. This is crazy. Detox. There's a movie called Detox. That was, and of course, that was with he, Sylvester Stallone. That never made it to the movie theater. He uh, he also did uh, X Files, as we all know, mm-hmm. for a couple of years there. And then uh, Stargate Atlantis, and uh, he did a voice as Duck Dodgers and Duck Dodgers. Uh, oh, he was in the Marine with John Cena. I quit. All right, what were we talking about? I'm you, done. You, you know you like that movie. That is a, I, that, no, that I did not. That is, no, a, did not. That is a straight up as a straight up eighties action movie. Dude, straight up. Shit. <laughs> I would never see a movie with it. No. You know you like that movie. No, I did not like that movie, Sean. <laughs> Well, let's let's move on to the last trailer. We are almost out of time. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell them what they've won. Um, the last trailer is the American Reunion. Uh, American Reunion, which uh, brings back the cast of American Pie. The whole cast, too. Yes. Um, well, you know, to be fair, not a lot of them are doing anything. No, but a lot of them are, though, or have. And some of them, some of them are working. Some of them are like in the midst of working, and some of them have actually just come out of rehab. So, um, who just came out of rehab? You got like some celebrity dirt right there. Well, well you know, uh, Chris uh, Chris Klein was in rehab uh, like a while ago. Um, he had, he had a little problem. Did he really? Yeah. Go l- listen. If you go watch, um, I mean, he's cool and everything's fine now. But go back and watch. I'm not telling you you should because it's awful, but if you watch Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, he plays, uh, he plays Charlie Nash, look at him and, and, and watch him. He looks rough. And then literally, 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 seriously, a few months after that, and this was like in 09, a few months after that it was reported he had to go to rehab. Um, because he, because he has some he had he had an addiction so uh, but like you know I think he's been he's pretty much been okay since like uh, like late mid late 2010 so like you know the stuff you've seen him like on Wilfred American Reunion that stuff he's been pretty clean so uh, so good for him he was awesome on Wilfred that's all I'm saying but um but no pretty much everybody um is back for uh, for American Reunion so you got um Allison Hannigan. Um, you got uh, Jason Biggs and even Shannon Elizabeth, uh, Thomas Ian Nichols with like a with a beard. That's that's rookie of the year. He got a beard. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. You got Sean William Scott and um, Thomas Ian Nichols. So you know, even Eugene Levy's back because, as you know, even with all the directed video American Pie movies, Eugene Levy will find some work. You know that's right. Even Mina Saveri is in it. Even Tara Reid. Yeah, and yeah they were like, "We don't care how crazy you are, bitch. Come on in here, and say a few lines." Yes, and and they even brought Eddie K. Thomas back. They brought my boy Finch back. So, yep. so yeah, and, man. It and Mina Sa- Leone and Mina Savari. 
I said that. I thought you were talking about my bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Why you guys start? And Jennifer Coolidge is Stifler's mom. Yes. Milf. Um, so yeah, and, he, and John Cho has a has a cameo in it as Milf Guy Number Two. Well, he was in the original, right? Was he was he one of the kids he, that was outside the window or whatever? Yeah, was he? I think he was. Yes. I have to look this up. Okay. So, because there's another dude is Milf Milf Guy Number t- Number One is Justin Icefeld. Who? Yes, he was an Amer- He was an American Pie One Two and in the wedding. Yeah. There you go. And so, um, that. so basically, what the trailer does is is that um, you see all the characters from America from American Pie, but they're all grown up. Some of them still act the same, even though you know they're older and different situations. And some of them, their lives have changed. Like um, like say for instance, uh, Jim and and Michelle. You know, they're married. They've been married, but now they have a child. And and uh, Kevin, who's played by Thomas Ian Nichols, is like the domestic husband, uh, cooking and cleaning and all that stuff. And and Stifler's still Stifler, but he's a business executive. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. There's three chicks talking, and he's all, you know what, ladies? You weren't hired for your looks. Well, you were. And then he looks at this other dumpy-looking lady. He goes, and you were not. Yeah. <laughs> and then just walks by her. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. He yeah. plays that dude so well. Yes, so. he does. Yes, he does. So so basically, they all get back together for their uh, Class of 99 reunion. And, um, you know, they, they're, they're partying, they're, you know, they're on the beach and like later on in the trailer, they find a, a high school party and, uh, Stifler and the gang uh, intervene on the high school party. So there's a bunch of other things that are going to happen too. So I think, yeah, I saw American Pie, American Pie, American Pie 2 and American Wedding on the movie theater. All the other stuff I didn't pay any attention to. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would probably go back to see, to see this because, you know, back in 99, American Pie was a big deal. So oh, it sure was. And the fact that they were able to bring everybody back, eh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think I'll go check this out. Yeah, and isn't it written by the original? Um, let's see here. Like a- Adam Hers was like one of the original writers on American Pie. Oh, it says characters by, and then John Hurwitz. Okay, let's see. It, I'm gonna click on their names and see what comes up. Yeah, Adam 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 Hers was one of the writers on American Pie. And he's also one of the writers on American on American on American Reunion, um, but Hurwitz is credited with the screenplay. And Her- yeah, he did he did the uh, Harold and Kumar movies, all three of them. Yeah. So, so whatever you think of them is what's going to happen here. Yes. And Hayden Schrosberg. So no, is also one of the screenwriters from uh, Harold and Kumar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this will be pretty good. I- I'll go check it out. Uh, and, and plus, it'll make up for all those direct-to-video American Pie movies that I didn't watch. So, uh, so yeah. Shame on you. No, there's no shame on me. I just refused. No, there's not. I, I refused. I absolutely refused. So, oh, man. So, there we go. There we go. Six movies, six trailers. And so, what was, the, what was the total tally, sir? All right, let's see. Snow White and the Huntsman, we were Netflixing. A Thousand Words, same thing. 21 Jump Street. Uh, net. I was Netflixing, right? Yeah, and I and I and I said theater. And you said theater. Red Tails were both theater. Safe House was both theater. You're gonna go see American Reunion, and I'm maybe. Okay. I'm a maybe. You're a maybe. Well, there you go. Oh, by the way, well, you know, we should go ahead and tell our listeners this. Um, if things go according to plan in January, uh, PKD Media will have a brand new spanking website. 
Yay. And on that website, we'll be able to really know what PKD Media really is. Um, you know, ever since I started working with Action Lab, people are like, well, what's PKD Media about? Why is your podcast the PKD Black Box and all this other stuff? PKD Media was is essentially a studio. And it's a studio that creates content, whether it be podcasts, whether it be comic books, you know, live action stuff, you name it, we're a studio and we get that stuff out there to the people. So we're going to have a brand new website. We're going to have all new fancy, fancy things. You're going to be able to learn, learn more about like, you know, Donnie Salvo and John Carroll and all the podcasts and, and all this other stuff that PKD Media has done in the past that you may not have known about and stuff that we're doing in the future. Some, some secret stuff that we can't tell you about just yet. Be on the lookout for that um, around the beginning of the new year. And I think you're all going to dig it. All right. Huzzah. Now, let's see here. Now, also, in the month of December, because you know December is creeping up on us. And, and like, if you're doing Christmas or holiday shopping or, or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Feliz Navidad shopping, um, while you're out doing that, if you need something to listen to to, like, get your mind off the stress and the hustle and bustle, in December, we will be running the Tales from the Attic Christmas Craptacular Marathon. Yes. Donnie, can you tell them what it's about? Well, basically, it's a special, uh, it's a comic book that is, takes place during Christmas or, and or the holidays. And so the first one I actually sent you yesterday. Nice. Nice. So, so. We, we are prepping that. You will see those every Friday. Um, you'll see them on uh, the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd. And um, we might do one on the thirtieth, or we might just do one for like new, like a New Year's, a New Year's version for the thirtieth, if we can find a New Year's comic, maybe. But if not, you are guaranteed a Christmas craptacular tales from the attic for the first four weeks in December. Indeed. So get ready to get you some laughs. And if you want to check out the previous Christmas crap craptacular episodes, go to hhwlod.com, click on the PKD black box icon, and just scroll back to previous episodes, and um, they are there. Or you can also check them out on the uh, PKD black box iTunes feed as well. Yes, sir. There we go. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Game from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.